Welcome back. You're listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and give the video a like if you enjoy this content. And if you didn't give the video a dislike, I'd like to welcome in my co-host for this episode, Modern Vintage Gamer. Hey, what's going on? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Always great to have you. And we have a special guest joining us today because we are going to talk about Microsoft and the recent Xbox Live Gold debacle. So we thought we would invite Windows Central's very own Jez Corden. Hello there. Hello, Jez. Thank you for joining us. It is an honor and privilege to have you with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, we've had Rand on before, and you two have your own Xbox podcast. I believe it's called Xbox for Two? Yeah, it's the Xbox Two podcast. Um, just just me and Rand rambling about games for, for an hour or two every Friday. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a very good podcast. I would definitely tell every xbox fan who is listening to this right now to give that podcast a look i will have a link to it in the description below so you can find it and rand and jez do an excellent podcast both are very in tune with the microsoft and xbox community so definitely encourage people to give that a look and we're going to break down everything that happened over the last few days with microsoft and the xbox live gold disaster because on friday morning microsoft came out and they announced that they would be essentially doubling the price for Xbox Live Gold from $60 a year to $120 a year. And this caused a fury of emotions and backlash. And the backlash was so strong that Microsoft came out in roughly 12 hours and did a complete 180-degree reversal. And they also announced that they would be dropping the paywall requirement to play free-to-play games on the Xbox ecosystem. So now, or eventually down the line, if you only play Fortnite on your Xbox, you will no longer need to subscribe to Xbox Live Gold. And that was a very nice announcement. That was something Microsoft has been building up to in recent months, and this was something that they were going to announce further down the line once they actually had the system in place. But due to the criticisms and all the negativity, they felt, let's just announce it now and maybe gain back a little goodwill from the consumer base. But let's start with the announcement of Xbox Live Gold increasing in price and how poorly it was managed by Microsoft, but also how the community overlooked a key detail and responded maybe a little too hastily. Microsoft comes out, they say, we're dropping the 12-month card. This This had been done a few months prior. And you could buy a six-month card for $60. And immediately, people said, whoa, this means Xbox Live Gold is doubling in price. And there's not a lot of value to Xbox Live Gold beyond you just play multiplayer games, you get some games with gold, and little else. And the immediate thought was, this is Microsoft's attempt to devalue Xbox Live Gold so that it would have customers jump to Game Pass Ultimate. And we know Game Pass Ultimate is Microsoft's new focus in terms of service. Was this their ultimate goal with this particular maneuver here? Well, there's been like there's been a there's been a ton of speculation about what exactly Microsoft's thought processes were, you know, with regards to this change. Like because pretty much anyone could have seen this would come with a huge backlash. And I think people are still, there's still some residual skepticism about Microsoft from the whole 2013 DRM outrage uproar, you know, from back in the day. And now like whenever Microsoft does anything that can even be vaguely 
seen along those lines. Maybe people overreact a little bit. I mean, you know, everyone in the Xbox community did, like I did. I put out an article almost straight away detailing some thoughts about it. But, you know, the the outrage, like, it's sort of... Um, it's it sort of revolved around the fact that Microsoft was essentially saying we are now twice the price of um, PlayStation Plus, and um, I think like even though like Xbox fans were going to be grandfathered into the old price and they wouldn't have been affected by this change necessarily, um, I think there was a lot of like there was a, a lot of anger around the the fact that you know it, for newcomers Microsoft was saying like you know, it's twice as expensive as PlayStation Plus at the cheapest tier. And also, like, the fact that you can't play free-to-play games on Xbox Live without paying a subscription. All that stuff just sort of blew up. So, with that in mind, you have to sort of... You have to assume that Microsoft should have seen at least some degree of backlash coming for making this change. So, it's not like they were thinking, like, how can we how can we piss people off today? There must have been There must have been some sort of serious you know financial considerations behind this stuff and um from what i've heard um a lot of a lot of speculation has revolved around the idea that it was about making xbox game pass ultimate seem more attractive because when when xbox live gold is 120 dollars a year why not just get xbox game pass ultimate you know which is a uh, slightly more expensive uh, for buying buying in for a year. At that point, you might as well just go straight into Game Pass, right? But from what I understand, most new customers who would have been affected by this change are already going into Game Pass anyway, and that this really was to do with adjusting the most popular subscription tier, which is the month over month, adjusting that tier for inflation. That's where this largely revolved around uh, from what i understand from speaking to people who are familiar with microsoft plans and like when they adjusted that for inflation they kind of like they got into this sort of conundrum about what that means for xbox game pass pricing what that means for xbox live gold pricing i don't fully understand like all the financial and business aspects around it but it just sounds like this is this is typical microsoft poor communications when it's anything to do with anything that might be an unpopular change. Microsoft sort of like they almost have this sort of knee-jerk sort of reaction to things now because they they desperately want to avoid what happened in 2013 which was like such so hugely damaging to the brand you know. Mm-hmm. So um, from what I understand this was about the month over month change which was only going to go up by a dollar Yeah, but Microsoft emphasised the <laughs> The other changes, which made it seem like much more of a big deal than it was, and and uh, man, it just got all screwed up. It, it, it's it's funny. It's interesting yeah. to say that, um, Jez, because like Netflix in the US and probably in the world, or like in the UK as well, but um, in 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 the US, it went up. I think uh, by two dollars a month if you were on the like the seventeen or the fifteen dollar plan. It went up two dollars a month, um, and that mm-hmm. that take that took effect, I think, at the start of this year. And there was there was some backlash there, but nothing like what we saw with with Xbox, right? So, what's the difference? I mean, how can how can Microsoft improve their marketing around this, or their their I guess their communication around this? Because Netflix held firm; they just said, "Yep, we're 
putting the price up $2 a month. And there were some angry consumers and there were some, you know, tweets and, and stuff like that. There were some articles posted about it, but I mean, they didn't, they didn't backtrack 24 hours later. They, they just said, that's it. That's what we're doing. And, um, you know, this is pretty much the same thing other than the fact that it wasn't very well communicated and, and Microsoft didn't, didn't do a great job. And then they subsequently, you know, backtracked. So, how can Microsoft be better at, at, at communication like this? Because it's not really, yeah, I mean, a dollar an extra a month or $2 extra a month, it's not really a big deal. It's it's kind of what we kind of come to expect, especially with Xbox Live being around literally since the days of the OG Xbox and the price that you would pay, right? <laughs> so, I mean, in the, if you think of it that way, it's kind of expected that they would increase the price. So what... What do you think they can do to improve, you know, communication going forward? Man, it's 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 so strange because it really did revolve around like the communication was fine, but it everything revolved around that sort of that sort of erroneous, egregious doubling yeah. of the the month the, the year over year subscription. Right? They removed the twelve month subscription. They put it down to six months, but at sixty dollars or whatever it was. And that that made it effectively twice as expensive as the competition. I, it it just that's the bit that confuses me. Like, did they just forget that PlayStation was offering <laughs> a year for sixty dollars or something? Like, I, I, I have literally no idea. So that was when when they're putting the narrative together of this change. That was mathematically and symbolically, yeah, the the thing that your brain could process easiest the fastest <laughs> so that's like what everyone focused on it was like well playstation costs half of this what the hell are you doing mm. you know <laughs> so first of all they, they should have seen that coming that 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 whole sort of you know having to pay twice what playstation users have to pay that wasn't going to go down well with anyone even though even though it wasn't going to affect any current customers like that's like how can you recommend xbox to your friends when it costs twice what PlayStation costs month, uh, year over year, you know it's it's sort of like that that conversation, like the empathizing with other users and being like an Xbox fan, it makes it harder to be one when you're doing stuff like that. <laughs> so I think that's where a lot of the anger in the Xbox community revolved around. But when it comes to communication, like disregarding the fact that 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 whole decision was just egregious, like Microsoft does this all the time across its whole product lineup they just don't seem to understand human beings like we've seen this with like you, you can take skype as an example mm-hmm. microsoft purchased skype for billions of dollars it was the biggest communications platform on earth when they purchased it can you can you even do you know anyone that still uses skype as a brand like they they, they use the technology of microsoft teams whatever yeah but like they, they had skype as a like a basically the makings of a social network and they did nothing with it. They just ran it into the ground and ignored it because Microsoft just doesn't understand human beings sometimes. Mm-hmm. When it comes to like communicating and human beings as a customer, they just they just don't get it a lot of the time. And I think this is this is maybe symptomatic of Microsoft as a corporate entity because whoever mm-hmm. whoever was whoever floated this decision must have come down from like Microsoft corporate and their financial teams and whatever, they, they were like, look, you've got to adjust this for inflation. You've got to figure out a way to do this without you know, making it seem that bad. And they would have put the idea to Xbox to do this. And then Xbox just sort of like got into big confusion about it. 
and then this happened. So yeah. it's just yeah. they did they did they did this with OneDrive too, like the OneDrive subscription a few years ago. They like they wanted to put the price up or something, and they wanted to remove people's free um, free storage or so, the freemium storage tier or something, and then everyone went crazy because they focused too much on the negative. Whereas like mm-hmm. so, and it like <laughs> Microsoft is like this well intentioned a lot of the time, but they're, they're it's almost <laughs> like they're too transparent sometimes. Like with Sony, for example, Sony is selling their games at seventy dollars this year. Microsoft mm-hmm. isn't; they're selling them at sixty dollars still. But nobody, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about the fact that all PlayStation 5 games are $70. Nobody talks about that. That's totally fine. That's okay. Because it doesn't seem like a lot of money. And also the controller is more expensive. And it, but it's fine because it has, has some new features. <laughs> so like, people, feel like, people feel like they're getting something. And that's because Sony mm-hmm. understands that if you're taking something away, you have to give something back or at least make people think they're getting something back. And... I don't know. Microsoft just doesn't seem to to get that aspect of yeah of communicating with this community sometimes. And you bring up the good point about the seventy dollars games because I had brought this up elsewhere, and people justified it saying, "Well, it's only ten dollars. It's not that much." And you know, I can then justify and break down the Xbox Live Gold increase that it's it was only five extra dollars a month. It's one less cup of coffee from Starbucks a day for you, like or one less cup for a month. It's only five dollars a month. Like you can contextualize any of these price increases any way you want to make it seem like it's not that big of a deal. But as you brought up, Sony is charging $70 a game. And it's something I have said numerous times now will cause me to hesitate when it comes time to buy a brand new game. Because when you look at Sony published games, they see a price drop within three months after they release. So what is my incentive beyond experiencing the game on launch day to hand over $70 for a brand new release. It's very low because I can go back as recent as last year with The Last of Us Part 2. It was $40 within, I believe, three to four months. Now, if we see that a similar type of decrease in price for a PlayStation 5 game, and I'll use Returnal as an example because it's Sony's next release. If that game is going to go from $70 down to, let's say, $50 by May, I'm going to kind of feel a bit miffed as the consumer. $70 is no small fee. That's a lot of money. And in the UK, yeah, they raised your prices even more substantially. Australia is even worse. Like I'm looking, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at JB Hi-Fi, which is one of the big kind of retail chains of electronics. Um, I'm looking at Godfall right now. It's $120, $120 for a copy of Godfall. That's a lot of money. And in Europe and the UK, you guys went from roughly, because a lot of the games went for, I believe, forty pounds, depending like the retailer. Like, um, most AAA games, brand new, are fifty pounds, I think, and they've gone up to they've gone up to sixty now for um, PlayStation. So I mean, let me just double check because I know yeah, in the UK it's it's a little different like how the pricing is like a retailer doesn't have to come up to the msrp if they want to go a five like you know five pound lower they can they have that flexibility so sometimes you see a little discount yeah it's it's it is a bit strange sometimes like demon souls is 60 dollars in the uk right now um uh, 60 pound uh yeah yeah, yeah. 60 pounds (laughs) which is what what is that in in american I think it's uh, that is eighty two dollars. Yeah, yeah. 
Which is what? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a lot of money. And as was brought up, there was some backlash. People weren't happy with it. Jim Ryan came out and said, we're offering a lot of game for the price. And that was the end of that conversation. Microsoft comes out, they say we're raising the price of gold. The entire internet, worldwide, every media outlet, every YouTuber, there was backlash instantly. And as you brought up earlier, the majority of consumers are already going to be legacied in at the current price of $60. We weren't ever going to be impacted by this price increase. It was newcomers who are going to be impacted by the price increase, whoever's coming into that ecosystem now. But the data shows most new Xbox purchases, the consumer is going with Game Pass. Yeah. So here's my question, and and maybe, you know, we, we, we can only speculate, right? But why do you think Microsoft did did backtrack on this 24 hours later? Why didn't they just hold firm on it? Other well, than other than outrage on Twitter and and social media and and stuff like that. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. It comes back to what I said about like them being afraid of having another 2013 outrage, you know, damage to the brand. But it's also like it's also to do with the fact that they um, they also announced that free to play games are going to be truly free to play on Xbox, right? Yeah, and um, that's something something they must have had in the works already, I think, because Halo Infinite is going to be free to play on its multiplayer. Um, it's going to have a separate client presumably and it's gonna that's gonna be free to play although how can you call it free to play when free to play is free to play on playstation nintendo switch it becomes like that whole argument comes back around and it would have come back around again when halo infinite comes out and every time every time a big free to play game comes out like the the noise about this aspect gets bigger and bigger and then it reached fever pitch yesterday Mm -hmm. when or, or last week rather when microsoft said okay well now you're gonna have to pay it up to you know 120 dollars a year to play like free to play games on our platform but um so i think they they had this in the works and some commenters some commentators on twitter uh, you know made made this uh, made this point i think it was um z huge who uh, said this uh, that i saw that microsoft probably had free to play um, free-to-play restrictions lifted in the works already, and they're probably going to announce it as part of Halo Infinite's like marketing cycle. But they they bought they had to bring it forward to sort of like offset all the damage they'd caused with this whole pricing chain. Yeah. If they'd have announced in in this you know in this whole thing, if they'd have, if they'd have announced that free-to-play games were going to go free. That would have been the thing that we were getting back, you know. Mm-hmm. I talk about this thing like in 
corporate communications where yeah, if you're going to announce something bad, you have to try and explain that you gain something back or you gain something, you know, in return for your your good faith or whatever. Microsoft didn't do that. They just they were just like, this is all bad. Everything here we're announcing is bad and is negative, and you're not getting anything back for it. Announce that like, you know. Even if like games, if even if like the annual subscription was going to go up, even like a little bit, just in line with inflation, instead of being doubled, if they'd announced that it was going up in line with inflation, and that free to play games were going to go free to play, I think they could have just they could have had this go through without any backlash whatsoever, mm-hmm. because I think most people would have been like, well, that's fair enough, adjusting it for inflation, it's not been updated for years. I would also mm-hmm. be getting free to play games, which they would have been working towards anyway. But they just it's it's just bad it's just bad comms, man. Yeah. There's like there's no there's no other way of saying it. It's just <laughs> Microsoft having a bad bad comms again. Like whoever whoever people they need to be like a little <laughs> bit more thoughtful and maybe even sneaky, you know, speaking purely as like not as a consumer, like purely analytically, because obviously I don't want them to be sneaky. But if I if I was working for Microsoft and if I was a consultant advising Microsoft, I'd say you've got to be a bit more sneaky here and a bit less honest because you guys, you you <laughs> you have this tendency to go forward with the negative and make that your headline. Yeah. Because you want you want to have this you want to have this um, image as being a a, a progressive, um, earnest, <laughs> green you know shiny company but sometimes <laughs> in the capitalist structure not to get too philosophical sometimes <laughs> in capitalism you have to be an asshole yeah and so am i allowed to swear on this podcast uh, <laughs> Sorry. that's actually but, um, that's a really good point because when you look at like i'll use sony and nintendo as the examples they make it sound like they're going to give you something amazing and they're actually screwing you over in the end, but nobody cares because they hyped it up. And we can go, we can just look at Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Mm. They make it like, you're getting these three great legacy 3D Mario games, $60. But the caveat is they're only going to be on store shelves and digital shelves for six months. And everyone's like, I don't care. I get to play these three games. And Microsoft's just sitting there saying, hey, we're going to raise the price of Xbox Live Gold because... You know, we have to. We haven't done this in a long time. And as you mentioned, if all they had mentioned at the end of the whole press release was, we're also removing the paywall for free-to-play games, it would have been, you give a little, you yeah. take a little. We're okay yeah. with that. Sony and, Sony and Nintendo, they make you feel like they're gifting you something. So you have, like, you know, all the joy and rainbows in your gut. You feel happy about it. And at the same time, they're looking at you giving you the finger while handing you a piece of chocolate and you're ignoring that. You're just taking the chocolate like, thank you, you're so kind to me. You turn your back on them and they kick you in the ass. <laughs> Microsoft is basically looking at you saying, we're going to kick you in the ass. We're going to give you a lot of good stuff, but we're going to lead with the kick. Yeah. And it's not how you do business. I, I, it's, um, I do wonder, you know, if they offered like more free games or something, you know, just to give something back, right? That maybe it would have it would have sweetened the deal a little bit. Like if they, you know, like they give you free games every month with gold, right? 
um, whether they right. just added to that, maybe at the at the highest tier, like not, not necessarily like the month to month one, but maybe if you were loyal and you bought, you know, a six month or a 12 month thing, um, they would, you know, they would basically flag your account and give you some more games. Maybe that would help. I, I don't know. That's called Game Pass, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, my question just now is, do you think Microsoft knows what to do with, with gold? Like, because it's, it's kind of sitting out there as this other service that they provide everyone's thinking about game pass i mean i'm pretty sure all three of us right now have game pass i i certainly do i've got 12 months worth of it right um so you know do you think they know exactly what's what to do with with gold going forward and and maybe this was was part of that 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 kind of hesitation that they had i wrote an article about what i think's happening to gold last summer and like when 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 this was first announced, I had a bunch of people in in my mentions on Twitter saying, "Oh, you said games with gold, um, Xbox Live Gold is going away. You're a liar and stuff like that." Yeah. And I was just because I had predicted in the summer, um, pure purely prediction, not a leak. And I did, I made great efforts to explain that it was a prediction, not a leak. And you know, based on what I'd heard and analyzed and stuff, that eventually Xbox Live Gold will go away completely and the multiplayer paywall will drop completely. And honestly, I still think that will happen. It has I to. I still think eventually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it has to. It, it will It will happen eventually, but what, what needs to happen in order for that to happen is Xbox Game Pass needs to reach a sort of critical mass level where there's enough subscribers in Game Pass Ultimate to offset the loss from the multiplayer paywall because, you know, the multiplayer paywall is generating a huge amount of cash flow from for Xbox Live. It always has. And it's like the it's the basis of the whole business is the subscription services and the software they sell. It's not the hardware. A lot of people are obsessed with hardware sales. That isn't the business. It's never been the business for years, you know. The, the business is selling software, services, DLC, and subscriptions. That is the business, the core of the business. So getting rid of Xbox Live Gold overnight is just something that won't happen. Mm-hmm. For that to happen, they have to offset the loss from selling Game Pass Ultimate in new markets. There are countries out there where people have no intention of buying a TV. There's an entire generation of kids who don't even have a concept of terrestrial TV. They just grow up with their iPads, their tablets, and their phones. And Microsoft wants to get those users as a new market through Game Pass cloud streaming. And, you know, it could take a long time for that uptake to happen. And maybe it'll never happen. You know, it's a, it's a gamble. It's a risk. It's like, it's like a pie-in-the-sky dream right now. But that is their North Star. Their North Star is Game Pass, hundreds of millions of users on all devices that you can imagine. And um, the next step in that, north star effort is bringing game pass to web browsers and, and web stack mm-hmm. so you can get it on your like your low power pc you can get it on your iphone or your ipad because apple wants to block it and um but then they can't block it when it's on the web and that's, yeah. that's the next step in all that and um and when they do get game pass ultimate in more into more people's hands so they can stream xcloud games or whatever that's a new market and that's those users have better margins too because you're not selling them a loss making hardware potentially you know i have no idea how much microsoft is making on consoles but it's it's not a lot of money if anything you it know can't be. Yeah, it's expensive it can't be. yeah it's it's expensive to sell hardware and especially at this at the the price they're selling that it's it's a it's the margins ain't good 
But if you're just giving them a subscription, the margins are way better if they're using their existing devices and you don't have to manufacture all the stuff and, and whatnot. And that's not me saying Microsoft's going to get out of the console business because philosophically they like it, but it's better margins if to a customer who doesn't buy hardware in, in some sort of <laughs> backwards sort of way. That's just, it's just the way it is, the economics of the business. So... Um, yeah, there's I do also, believe that there's also legacy Sorry. involved too, right? So because gold, because if you remember on the 360 when that came out, there was two tiers. There was silver and gold. Silver was just you didn't pay anything. You could you could connect your 360 online. You couldn't matchmake and you couldn't use your headset and all that stuff. But you could still do basic multiplayer stuff. And then gold, obviously, that came with you know matchmaking, voice chat, party chat. Plus, you had cloud saves and stuff like that. So there's obviously, you know, if they're going to if they're going to take all that away, or if they're going to, you know, sunset Xbox Live Gold, they they have to figure out what to do with that stuff, right? They have to transfer all those all those features to to you know to a Game Pass subscription. So yeah, I think there's definitely work that they need to do there, right? They can't just you know kill it like tomorrow. You're right, Jez. I think they they definitely have to come up with some 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 outline or strategy to you know to you know to move away from it over time. It's the it's the um it's it really is just that legacy thing. It's it's almost like a vestigial limb that like they they need to they're going to chop off eventually because like cloud saves are not paired to Xbox Live Gold subscriptions anymore, mm-hmm. and and they've you know expanded the amount of storage you get for free that's just part of xbox live now like the the voice chat stuff you know you can get that on your pc for free you don't need gold for it and like all these all these features just sort of like exist for everyone except on the specifically on the console hardware where and as the lines blur between pc gaming mobile cloud gaming and and console gaming it's sort of like it's weird that you know, I'm getting 360 no scoped in Sea of Thieves by <laughs> you know, by a PC by a PC gamer who's who's playing it for free. Yeah, I'm like I'm like paying it for a subscription, and, and I don't I don't have a mouse and keyboard, and I'm getting ruined. Is playing it for free? It's just it's just it's just weird. It just feels like this sort of archaic thing. So that's why I do believe they'll remove it eventually. But it requires Xbox Live, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, and Xbox Game Pass yeah. has to hit. A certain critical mass, and I'm sure Microsoft has a figure in mind where, like, they can be like, okay, Game Pass has now basically, you know, put us in a position where we can start to move away from Xbox Live Gold. And once Game Pass hits that level, even if it's not like in America or or the UK or its traditional markets, it's going to be in like it's going to be in their non-traditional markets where Game Pass probably takes off the most for mobile devices anyway like so they're seeing a huge amount of uptake in south korea they're seeing like i've been told that like they're seeing a a surprising amount of interest from eastern europe as well um and uh you know they've got the whole the whole deal with stalker 2 that is like that is strategic about game pass in eastern europe for example stalker is a massive massive game massive Mm -hmm. ip in eastern europe and the whole the whole reason microsoft got that was for game pass uptake in eastern europe like that they it's all this they've got a they've got a strategy in mind for game pass and i do think when it's a critical mass that we'll see xbox live gold go away but i don't know if that's i doubt it's this year might not even be next year but you know um we'll have to wait and see yeah it's Xbox Live Gold is definitely that boulder around their feet now. Everyone knows it's archaic. It is a relic of its time. 
we don't need it anymore, especially, you know, with the rise of Discord or as you brought up, Microsoft is releasing so many of their games on PC where people are playing it for free online there. So why am I paying to play it on my Xbox? And as you've mentioned, mobile and laptops, desktops, other devices, smart TVs, those are all going to be used by Game Pass in the future. Microsoft wants to get xCloud on all these range of devices. And the Xbox as a product is largely just a conveyance for the Game Pass service. Microsoft is a software company. They're not a hardware company and their focus is to sell Game Pass. And I mean, I guess we could go back to the 360 and the original Xbox, even the early Xbox One days. The service they wanted to sell at that time was Xbox Live Gold. And they've now evolved that to Xbox with uh, Game Pass Ultimate. And who knows, 15 years down the line, maybe they'll have a new service they're going to sell us. But now you have to get rid of Xbox Live Gold, and they do have a great challenge ahead of them. Because if, let's say if Microsoft announced today, they are going to get rid of Xbox Live Gold. You can play multiplayer for free, but everyone who has an active subscription, would you just convert whatever remaining time to a Game Pass subscription, or would you issue a refund? I mean, I would probably... You know, I would probably migrate existing gold users to X uh, to um, to Game Pass, right? Well, I mean, I think that's um, that's the mm-hmm. logical step. That's what they do. Yeah. Like, I see this is this is another thing that a lot of people don't realize, and it's something they actually put in that article when they announced the price change. Right now, anyone listening to this show, if you are if you are an Xbox Live Gold subscriber at six months or twelve months or more, you can instantly convert that to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate at no additional cost. So, like, what a lot of Xbox fans did when they first announced this scheme, which still exists, they bought, like, this is what I did. I bought I bought two or three years of Xbox Live Gold using Microsoft reward points that had accumulated from Bing. You know, I use Bing. Yeah, you know, hate myself, but um, I use Bing. <laughs> and that gives me Microsoft reward points. And Microsoft reward points, you can then spend on Xbox Live Gold. And then you can take that Xbox Live Gold and convert that into Game Pass Ultimate. So for the for free, I went from zero Game Pass Ultimate to two or three years of Game Pass Ultimate. I can't remember when it expires, but it's a long time. And that's from converting Microsoft reward points from using Bing into Xbox Live Gold at $60, which you can then convert into Xbox Game Pass Ultimate at no additional cost for like $100 or $120 or however much it is. So... That's that's how Microsoft is trying to migrate users from Xbox Live Gold, but for some reason they don't advertise that very much. Um, yeah, um, dude. I honestly, I mean, I, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, but I've never really heard about that before. Like, I just assumed that if you're on Gold, then you you know you you use up your Gold membership until you're done, and then you, then you can just buy Game Pass Ultimate. I didn't realize you could you could migrate over today. That's that's interesting to hear that. Yeah, that's that is that is literally you can do that literally right now. Um, if you go to like, if you go to like their website and stuff, and then go to, um, it's up to thirty six months. Mm-hmm. There's a pre conversion policy. If you've got Xbox Live Gold at, at a prepaid amount, I think it's from six months to thirty six months, and then you upgrade to Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate, it'll do it for free. It'll just convert your Xbox Live Gold straight into Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, even though it like um, it uh, costs much more. Yeah. You know? 
but um, I'm not sure if that works if you are currently a Game Pass subscriber. So you'd have to like unsubscribe from Game Pass yeah. and then do it. But like but I mean the point is there is a there is a migration path there, right? If if that's yeah, what you want to do, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. correct. So I mean Xbox Live Gold. It's going to be interesting how Microsoft handles this moving forward because they tried to raise the price. They got called out on it. It led to a disaster. And this reversal was amazing. This is something we've never really seen in this industry, a company to come out and respond as quickly as they did and to offset it by giving us a little bit of good news with the free to play. And from what I've heard is that there were internal disputes at Microsoft and the Xbox division when this news dropped. And it wasn't pretty. There was a lot of tempers flaring within these two companies. And I wonder if you heard anything similar to this, Jez. Sorry, can you repeat that last part? Someone at work sent me a message. Oh, um... I'm still at work. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm still at work technically. I'm just sort of like just trying to pawn people off. Leave me alone. I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, did you hear anything about people at Microsoft and Xbox having an internal dispute once the news of the price hike was announced and then due to this dispute that's kind of what led to the reversal as quickly as it happened? I uh I haven't heard anything about the internal discussions surrounding it. I do know that like a, a few a few people I know from Xbox, you know, reached out to me and said, "Well, you know <laughs> what a what a day you know so it sounds like it sounds like it does yeah it does sound like there was um there was skepticism shall we say but i don't know about internal conflict and stuff like that i i presume like what happened was there would have been an internal communication about this because what microsoft tends to do is you know they they try to let their before there's like a big announcement and stuff like this that, that is going to cause some kind of social backlash or whatever what microsoft tends to do is they send an internal communication out beforehand to let people know that's why like funnily enough they didn't do that for mixer which is why like a lot of people got broadsided by that but um they, they usually do and i think they did do it for this there was like internal communication and then and then another internal communication was sort of like was like well we're backtracking now sorry you know so I do think, like, I wrote a piece about it today, actually, which is probably going to go live tomorrow, where um, I think Microsoft has this over-reliance on cold data, and they don't think, they don't like to think with their intuition and human instincts enough. Because I see I see these patterns come emerge time and time again where Microsoft does something and then they realize it's unpopular and they backtrack. Like, I see it happen time and time again. Like, things that... If someone had just said, sat there with the authority and said, this is a bad idea, people won't stand for it, you know, um, following their gut instinct, which pretty much anyone could have, anyone, any one of us could have said, reading that blog post, that there was going to be a backlash to it. And, you know, surely there was someone at Microsoft armed with data that would have said or suggested otherwise. And there would have been like, here's the data to show that people won't care about it. Here's the data to say that like, okay, we'll grandfather people in, they won't mind and stuff like that. And, you know, so there's probably always conflict when there's like big decisions and changes and stuff like that. And that's probably why sometimes you see big executives leave Xbox, like Mikey Barr and stuff from back in the day. I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's some kind of disagreement between him and Xbox given how like... <laughs> Given how verbally he likes to voice, 
his disagreement with <laughs> like Mike was right in on Microsoft when they announced that Xbox Live Gold thing. He was right in on them. So you know, if you, if that's probably like the way Mike spoke about that publicly on Twitter is how I could imagine some execs internally spoke about it behind closed doors. But I don't know. You can only speculate about that stuff. What? How does Microsoft? really i mean they've backtracked on it it seems as though people may give them a little more you know some goodwill you know restored but do you think there's going to be a long-term impact here where this hurts the microsoft brand because spencer has built up this pro-consumer image of we're doing the best for the fans we have game pass we offer you so much content for an affordable price we have the best deal in gaming but now people are saying oh you're not our friend. You tried to raise the price. Is there going to be a long-term impact here where people aren't going to trust Microsoft? And, I mean, citation, don't trust any corporation. Don't trust Sony. Don't trust Nintendo. Don't trust Microsoft. Don't trust Amazon. They're all after our money. They're not our friend. But is there going to be a lasting effect on Microsoft here, similar to what we saw in 2013 with the dreadful Xbox One DRM? Well, I kind of like, you can kind of see goodwill as like, almost like a currency in a video game. <laughs> like, I think like, for example, there are some companies who they have a huge stockpile of goodwill and it would take some, some sort of catastrophe to eliminate it. I often think of Apple as one of these companies that can do no wrong and they get away with everything. They sell wheels for $1,000 and people don't care. <laughs> they, they try and they sell like, they sell laptops with like internals from six years ago. Nobody cares. You know, they, they, sold, they sold a laptop with like broken keyboard that millions of people couldn't use and nobody cared. And it's just, it's because like, they sort of, they, they offer a product in the iPhone, which is the center of your digital life. <laughs> and people appreciate that. And it wins them a lot of goodwill. And for the most part, Apple does make high quality products and people feel like for whatever reason, they get what they pay for, you know? So like using Apple as an example, and then you can go, you can extend that to Sony and Nintendo, who I think have earned themselves a ton of goodwill by offering experiences that are memorable. And, you know, people have a lot of like fond memories of Nintendo games from like years ago in the decade. Like for a lot of people, Nintendo is like defines their childhood. So like so much goodwill books saved up that they can they can do stuff like having the worst online service in the history of gaming. You know, like <laughs> Nintendo is garbage. It is hot yep. garbage. It is, and they get away with it. Nobody seems to care. And like Nintendo, um, they screw over the Smash Brothers community in esports and stuff. And the Smash Brothers community is pissed. But the wider gaming, the wider gaming journalists, they don't write about it. They don't care because Nintendo gave them all these great experiences when they were kids and stuff like that. And to some degree, like Sony as well, like even now Sony putting out some of the best games in all of gaming, Last of Us and God of War and stuff like that. Microsoft hasn't really gotten that sort of goodwill capital yet because honestly, last gen for Microsoft is probably the worst in their gaming output ever. You know, I can't think of, I can't think of any experiences that were exclusive to Xbox that I would deem necessary for my enjoyment of games gen. Like I <laughs> like I like there was a lot of games that I enjoyed. Like I liked Quantum Break, but it's kinda like it's not a game I could 
couldn't live without. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. It's not like a God of War, or it's not like a Last of Us. It's not like a experience I'm gonna like think about in 20 years from now. I think, man, just remember that game? That game was so sweet. You know, Microsoft <laughs> just doesn't make games like that, and that's ultimately what the gaming industry is about. Is games it doesn't matter about game pass being a great deal it doesn't matter about microsoft having your favorite controller it's about are they offering the games that people love and have memories about and sadly they just haven't been able to deliver that even now they haven't been able to deliver that yet because games take a long time to make microsoft has invested a ton of money in its platform but like the only the only game it has that really creates those experiences is minecraft which is a multi-platform game that nobody associates with Microsoft because really it's not their game. Yeah. You know, they bought it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not their game, you know? So until Microsoft starts having that sort of, that sort of high frequency output of quality games, which is a tight time, it's still like probably two years away before we're going to really see Microsoft ramp up and like, you know, to a point where they're offering games that do give you that kind of experience. I think they're always going to be sort of running on on fumes in terms of how much um, goodwill capital they have. They do a lot of cool stuff. Like Game Pass is awesome. The hardware on the Xbox consoles has been amazing last gen. Like the the One S was great. The the One X was great, and the Series S and X are also great. Really great consoles, and you know the operating system's great. Like all that stuff is great, but the most goodwill books you get is from making the high quality games so until they start putting that out i don't think they can they can get away with doing these sort of, <laughs> these sort of unpopular decisions like sony and nintendo can that's, that's yeah how no i think you covered it really well there because when you think of xbox i'll say in their heyday it was probably the xbox the original xbox and the early xbox 360 because halo was that game for microsoft Everyone wanted Halo. Halo was the game for so many years. And Halo's kind of fallen from that pillar of greatness. We've had new entries that haven't really excited the fan base. Maybe Halo Infinite is going to be that game to bring Halo back into the spotlight. But like, I love Gears of War. I love that franchise. And even I'll admit, it probably needs a little bit of reinvention. It needs a reboot. Not that the gameplay is bad. It's just... It's standard now. It doesn't wow in the way the original game did. And Microsoft is building up that software library in very exciting ways. But as you said, it's still a few years away. Eventually, we will see the fruits of Fable. We will see Perfect Dark Return. And those are exciting games. But we're talking 12, 24 months away. The Bethesda acquisition is going to blossom. We're going to see amazing products from that acquisition, but it's still years away. And it's Microsoft, they're building. They have the foundation laid, but we're waiting for them to actually construct this structure of greatness. And Sony and Nintendo already have their churches built. People are already going into them and they're worshiping them for their amazing games or the nostalgia that Nintendo still heavily relies on because we grew up with Zelda, we grew up with Mario. We're always there for a new entry to those franchises, and that's what Microsoft doesn't have. They don't have that legacy. And legacy is essential, especially in the video game business, because legacy is what you remember. Legacy is what you build upon. And what Microsoft was in the early Xbox 360 days, they are no longer that company. I mean, this was a company 
who went out of their way. They went to Japan. They made partnerships with companies for Dead or Alive 3, Blue Dragon, Lost Odyssey. We haven't seen that ambition from Microsoft replicated, but we're kind of we're kind of seeing it now with the studio acquisitions. When you have Ninja Theory, Bethesda, Obsidian, you're building towards what made you great, but you're asking us as the consumer to be patient. And how long can we wait for you to finally deliver on that promise? I, I mean, how long are any of us willing to wait for Microsoft to deliver on the promise of a bright tomorrow? Because it feels like we've been waiting for this day since the Xbox One launch, which was a disaster. And the Xbox One really didn't have a must-have game through, throughout the entire generation. It was always like, well, that means their next system, they're going to have that game. And we're once again, and I get the systems only came out three months ago, but we're waiting for the next evolution of one of their franchises or maybe a revolutionary new take on Forza or Forza Horizon or Halo or Gears of War or, I mean, what other games does Microsoft really have in their stable that we would consider iconic? Fable? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think Fable is is one of those. Um, Perfect Dark is probably another one. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I think it's definitely... They're asking us to be patient. Absolutely agree with you. But I'm willing to be patient for them. You know, like I think we we all understand that this year is is still that that building year for them, right? Um, they definitely have the hardware. You know, the the hardware side has been stitched up, and you know the the new gen hardware is 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 excellent, as as Jez uh, pointed out. I think this year, you know, if we do get Halo, which I think we will, right? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we will get Halo later this year, uh, as as scheduled and you know one or two other other you know surprises uh stalker uh, the mediums coming out this week which i think is is going to be a good one as well you know i think they can go into next year with with a lot of momentum so plus you know you add game pass to that mix and and everything else i'm i'm willing to you know to to be patient you know i i i do understand that this is a new console launch year right so there's always going to be those those you know shifts in the sand and and just that you know that turbulence that goes with a new console generation launch but yeah i mean with the acquisitions and with what they have on on their roadmap you know you you would feel pretty confident being a microsoft fan and you know probably for the first time in, in quite a while you know yeah i feel confident because the future looks bright it's just when are we going to get beyond that horizon to see everything that Microsoft has in store for us. Because if we do start getting some of these games, I'll say in 2022, if we do see Fable and Perfect Dark and Avowed, if we see these games starting to come out in 2022, I'd say finally Microsoft is hitting their stride and we're just waiting for Microsoft to take off. They're the turtle in the turtle in the hair here. Sony is the hair. They're running. They launched their system with some exclusives. They've put out a nice roadmap for 2021. Sony knew exactly how they wanted to start this generation, and they've taken off with it. Microsoft is kind of just, they're sitting there, and they're waiting to say, we have Game Pass. We have these exclusives coming. Look what the future has. But it's also concerning because it seems as though Microsoft kind of laid out their roadmap for the next three years. And, yeah, we have Hellblade 2. 
looks amazing. But when is it going to, you know, be delivered? And then we have Sony who comes out saying, here's our roadmap for 2021. Ratchet and Clank, Gran Turismo, God of War, Horizon, all these IPs we've built up over the course of the last generation. And Microsoft is still just sitting there saying, Hmm. we have Halo Infinite. We've delayed it a year, but we do have a new Halo. And as I mentioned, Halo is no longer that title of prestige that it once was. It doesn't have the hype that Halo 2 had or even Halo 3. And that's mostly because I guess the campaign and the multiplayer is no longer pivotal to the multiplayer online scene. Call of Duty has taken over and Halo has to find its way back so it can become that key piece to Microsoft's software stable. And maybe it does. Maybe maybe Infinite delivers that for them. I hope so. I want Microsoft to be competitive because they have great hardware. The Xbox Series X controller is fantastic. I think it's one of the most comfortable controllers I've ever used. I think I think the the biggest surprise is and I, I dude I've you know me I've been talking about this since the first day since I got one was the Series S, right? Like mm-hmm. I think the Series S represents the best the best console this generation so far. Now people are going to be like, "What are you talking about?" I'm talking about right now, like with with the games that we have and the games that we're getting. I think the Series S is the best system that you can buy. It's 299, it's extremely competitively priced. And now Microsoft are basically saying you can play Fortnite, Minecraft, and um, you know these other free-to-play games for nothing on on that system, right? You don't need you don't need live gold anymore, right? So I mean, it's how, how great is that? You know, all of a sudden this two hundred ninety-nine dollars system, next generation, plays games at sixty FPS, is all of a sudden the most competitive you know console out there. It's it's awesome. You know, I I don't have a PlayStation at all. I just got an Xbox and PC. Because, like, you know, it's partially because it's my job, but also because, like, I just... That's as much gaming as I have time for, frankly. But um, it's... Even though, like, I'm... You know, I got, I got like, 400 digital games on Xbox. So, like, they've they've completely locked me in as a consumer. Like, I couldn't I couldn't switch even if I wanted to just because I have all these games and backwards, compatible, backwards compatibility and they're all digital and they're all, like, can't sell them. So it'd be, it'd be like, ridiculous for me to even consider switching my main platform, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but um, even despite that, I still, I still obviously want them to be competitive with Sony because, you know, Sony puts out amazing games that are... They're, they're the kind of games you look at and envy... Like I don't think like like you say I'm a Gears of War fan, but it's it's also kind of like I don't need Gears in my life to like you know it's not like an essential game to me. And Microsoft just doesn't seem to put out those kind of games. And even the games that we do know about, they're mostly pre-rendered trailers, and you know they're not they don't show in-engine gameplay. We don't know what they're like. And they did this at the start of last gen too, if you remember. They you know, they showed off like CGI for Scalebound, which oh, were yeah. cancelled. Yeah. They showed off CGI for Recore, which looked a lot better in its CGI than it did when it launched. <laughs> they showed CGI for Phantom Dust, which got cancelled. You know, so it it comes back to that whole goodwill currency stockpile which they, they don't have a lot of for pre-rendered trailers because a lot of the pre-rendered trailers they announce with their games don't deliver on the goods. And um, so we're, all Xbox fans are still in this holding pattern, just sort of holding on, playing multi-platform games. 
And, you know, you can have a business just with multi-platform games, but if you really want to take it to that sort of critical mass, that next level, it's the exclusives. They need exclusive games that launch straight into Game Pass. And, you know, when like Wolfenstein 3 and the next Doom game and the next Elder Scrolls, if they all go exclusive, as, you know, I personally expect them to be, um, all launching day and day into Game Pass at the very least, that's the kind of... That's a, that'll be the turning point, but it's still like years away. Yeah. You know? If if Halo Infinite doesn't deliver, it's gonna be like, it's gonna be a big shame, and we're still gonna be there waiting. Like, well, wait for the next game. Wait for the next game. You know. See, now in your opinion, Jez, do you think Halo Infinite will deliver? Do you think it's going to be the Halo game we've been waiting for for the last decade? I still really hope so. You know, I I'm not even a big fan of Halo. You know, even like the old games and. <laughs> I was like, I was always like a, a Quake, an Unreal Tournament kid, you know. I was like, what is this okay. game? There's, there's not even any dismemberment. What is this game? like, I was like, where, where are like, the ridiculous weapons from Quake and Unreal Tournament? So like, I never like got into Halo like some of my friends did, you know. Because I don't know if like my parents were just, you know, sort of like... I don't know, more relaxed about what games they'd let me play. But like I was playing like more violent games and I always thought like Halo wasn't wasn't violent enough. I don't know what that says about me, but whatever. Um but for for obviously the brand and as from an analytical point of view and for like my friends who love Halo, like like Rand, Rand often Rand on our podcast often says that Halo's his favorite franchise and stuff like that. Like I do hope it delivers for them, but even that, like when they showed it off last year, it was so lackluster. Like the textures and, mm-hmm. and the gameplay, like for me, just looked like, man, is this a last gen game? Like nothing about it really surprised <laughs> me. Like the ooh, there's a grappling hook, like big deal. And like, oh wow, those enemies look like they were, they were ported straight from a 360. You know, <laughs> I was just not impressed with it at all. So I think like Halo Infinite has to deliver, and I severely hope it does because, like, like you say, it's that's like for Sony with Last of Us, God of War, Uncharted, and all those sorts of games. For Microsoft, it, historically, it's been Halo, and it just hasn't delivered that sort of level of excitement with Halo 4 and Halo 5 that it used to deliver. So, you know, it's just another sort of one of them wait and see sort of things, you know, if it doesn't get delayed again, touch wood. Going back to uh, <laughs> Xbox Live for a sec, I, I have a question, um, Jess, for you. Do you think that that this um you know thing with with live gold that happened do you think it will it will hurt microsoft or do you think the internet is a place where it has a short memory and you know this time next week no one's going to remember that they tried to do that i think i think yeah people have short memories especially when like you know this this um microsoft sort of nipped it in the bud before it went to the mainstream press like they they did it like on Friday, um, some some websites didn't even pick it up straight away, like um, and stuff like that. Mm. Like, so and and then like um, sometimes when there's there's a huge backlash, it escapes the game journalist journal sphere and goes to like the mainstream press, like your BBC and your I don't know what they are in America, like CNN, CNN is it, yeah. and stuff like that. CNN and good old Fox News and stuff like that. So, like like for example, the cyberpunk drama that was in the bbc and when i know it's in the bbc i know it's yeah. like oh well all the all the normies <laughs> are seeing this now all the millions of normies out there are seeing this and and that's sort of like 
when it slips into the sort of consciousness of the sort of normal, less engaged audience, that's when you've got a big problem, I think. And I think like the hardcore audience, they'll be more forgiving and Microsoft nipped it in the bud before it it ended up on the BBC front page or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, I think people will forgive them. And I think even if Microsoft comes back and says, we are going to adjust prices for inflation, but like not not as much as you know we planned or whatever and like they put up the month by a dollar and then whatever the equivalent percentage is on the monthly fee i don't think people would mind if like if like the the annual annual subscription if it went up by like ten dollars or twelve dollars a month um to you know bring it in equivalency to um whatever then uh i don't think people would mind i think the issue was like if they put if they put if they did put the annual subscription of like $12 to match the month over month subscription. Does that mean they'd also have to reflect that extra $12 in the Xbox game pass ultimate because you get mm-hmm. Xbox live gold with that as well. It's it's see this is it's those kind of complications where they sort of got a bit obsessed with it. So I don't know, but I think people forgive them if it gets yeah. just, really answered a very short question in a very rambly sort of way yeah no i, I i'm not very i, I no i appreciate the response <laughs> um and i agree with you i mean I, I think it didn't really hurt them you know it was egg on their face absolutely you know did it look was it a bad look for them yes but yeah i don't think it's it's going to really affect their outcome or you know or their the way that they're perceived i mean i think the you know the don matrick um drm always online stuff connect stuff i mean that that was that's a different animal altogether than this this was a this was a a misstep you know um and i think they they quickly corrected it, like you said before really a lot of big outlets got a hold of the story it was already it was already fixed so i think you know ultimately it won't it won't hurt them yeah this this feels like one of it's another one of Microsoft's missteps, and we saw them do it numerous times last year where they hyped up their summer event for the Xbox Series X, and it was just a bunch of CG trailers, and it was very lackluster, and it feels like it's it's another one of it's another Microsoft marketing misstep. They fall, but they get back up, and they recover from it, and Microsoft could recover from this in a, I'll call it an easy manner. But if all of a sudden in the next couple of weeks, Microsoft comes out and they announce that they have a new acquisition mm. and it's an exciting studio. But do you know something, Nate? Or? No, just, just <laughs> speculating here. But, I mean, we know Microsoft is actively searching. We know they're going to make another acquisition in 2021. They're very invested in Japan right now. They want to get a Japanese studio. If they do this and it is a quality studio, they could announce in the same press release that they were increasing Xbox Live Gold by a certain percentage, and it would probably go under the radar because you're going to get excited about the potential of what Microsoft is going to deliver. Or even if news of the Bethesda-Microsoft acquisition becoming finalized by June, when that happens, you're going to get excited about what this means for Microsoft or your favorite platform, if it is the Xbox or PC, you could announce that again, some sort of gold increase or even Game Pass increase, because you could frame it as, we just bought a studio or we just bought a couple of new studios. We're investing heavily in them to make these brand new IP and brand new franchises. And people would say, 
you know what? Due to what is going to be brought to Game Pass in the coming months or even coming years, I'm okay with that $5 a month increase because now I'm going to get Doom, Starfield, Elder Scrolls, Fable, Perfect Dark, etc. on Game Pass for no additional cost. So, you know, I don't feel that badly about handing it over to you. I mean, if Nintendo was able to convince us that $20 a year for a service that has no messaging feature, a rudimentary invite feature, and only gives us NES and Super NES games at a rate of three games every six months, Microsoft could probably frame some sort of marketing delivery that convinces us that Game Pass for an extra $5 a month is a good deal because of what they're going to be delivering on it i like it it's just made me laugh because i pl- i pay for nintendo online but i barely ever use my switch Same. and it doesn't even have cloud it doesn't even have cloud saves on half the games it's so it's so bad man <laughs> but you but you pay 20 dollars a year for it yeah I, i'm the same and, like uh, I, I have a nintendo switch online and the only reason why i have it other than just to maybe play a super nes game like once once a month um, for like an hour <laughs> is for cloud saves and and you're right jez i mean not a lot of the games but some of the games don't even support it which really makes it frustrating so then you you wonder well why do i have this in the first place but i think that that those cloud saves for me is really the main reason why i, I spend the money on it because i don't play smash brothers online and i don't you know generally play online games on my switch it's really just for the convenience of having a cloud save. And if I do get a new switch, I know I can restore those saves, you know, without having to mess around. So that's really why I do it. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft, they still have a challenge ahead of them. They have to figure out how to get rid of Xbox Live Gold. They have to work on their messaging. That's been an ongoing struggle for them since the Xbox One. I thought they figured it out in the early days of the Xbox Series X marketing, especially when they came out at the VGAs and they introduced the Series X at that time. They seemed to be on top of their game because the months following, they started to detail backwards compatibility, how they had auto HDR and all these exciting features on the hardware. And it sounded like Microsoft knew how to deliver information in a concise manner again. And all of a sudden, it all unraveled starting in the summer of 2020, and it seems to be their trend moving into 2021 that they don't know how to deliver information in a way that doesn't get anger out of the consumer. And in this case, it could have very easily been alleviated by just making it clear that if you were already a subscriber of Xbox Live Gold, you are legacied into the current price of $60 a year. This was only for new subscribers and that they would have been removing the paywall for free to play games. Those two key pieces of information completely alter the perception of the price increase. And I know it sounds like I'm trying to defend the price increase, but I mean, I'm not, these are businesses. They're all in, they're all looking to make money. And that's just another case here. Sony will one day increase the price of PlayStation plus Nintendo will increase Nintendo switch online. Hopefully they'll actually give us some incentive to stay subscribed because they don't have any features on Nintendo Switch Online beyond NES and Super NES games. So they actually have a big struggle ahead of them as well. Microsoft is just the company that I want them to go back to Marketing 101 and work on their delivery because they have great hardware. They're going to have fantastic software in the future. 
but they have to get us as the consumer excited about the promise of what is to come. And you can't do that by flopping and messing up your marketing messaging every single opportunity you have. Sony doesn't make these type of mistakes. And even when they do, they manage to convince you $70 for Returnal is somehow a good deal. I don't know if I agree with that, Nate, but I, I also don't want to talk for another hour about Sony because Jim Ryan <laughs> has said some things, man, that that you and I just sit there and think, what the hell did he just say? You know, so I, I'm not saying yeah. that's that's necessarily a a you know a marketing blast that came out on twitter that that their pr people or their marketing people but there have been some things said that just are a little little weird yeah sony makes their blunders it just doesn't it doesn't seem to stick <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. they're able to just kind of brush it off and people move on because sony says look here's the logo of the next god of war and people are like oh my god i don't remember that you just bricks my playstation 5 you're giving me a game i want and the same with nintendo they can do a series of bad things and the fans get excited when nintendo says here's a new nintendo direct microsoft just doesn't have that hype behind them to brush off any of the negativity they just kind of have to sit there and say yeah sorry we'll work on it and hopefully you forgive us down the line and eventually we will. It's not like Microsoft could have came out on Friday and just dropped a new Perfect Dark trailer and everyone would have forgotten about Xbox Live Gold fiasco. <laughs> I wish they it's, did. That would have been cool. It would have been cool. I want to <laughs> see more Perfect Dark. I know we, don't, we only saw it a month ago, but still. One of the annoying things about being a quote-unquote game journalist or whatever, whatever it is that, that I do is that like <laughs> back in the day before this COVID stuff, it was like you, you waited the whole year and then you had this big E3 blowout and then, like, the news, maybe there was little bits of news here and there otherwise. But because there's no E3 now, there's no, like, no sanctions on when game devs can announce things. They can just throw them out whenever they feel like it. Like that Indiana Jones thing the other day. You know, completely out of the blue. By the mm. way, we're making an Indiana Jones game, Machine Games. Like, <clears throat> so that's kind of <laughs> like, maybe, like, the next time we see Hell Hellblade 2 or, or Perfect Dark, it'll just be randomly randomly explode one day out of nowhere and i don't know that's just yeah. something i thought about what you were saying that yeah i mean they could like in a couple of hours microsoft could just drop a trailer of halo infinite for no reason other than why not it's monday let's do it and it is the weird thing without e3 without the tokyo game shows and the games comms and even the gdc's these studios can announce anything whenever and we don't have that culmination of building up the hype to a single event. And sometimes, I mean, this is a different topic altogether, but when you have that E3, you know when to get excited. When you just drop a Halo Infinite trailer out of the blue with no buildup, I don't know if you garner as much excitement as you normally do. Like Nintendo typically gives us 24 hours advance notice when they're going to drop a Nintendo Direct. So they build up that anticipation. So when it finally hits, you have the climax of, look at everything that happened. When the Indiana Jones games was released, it was just, as you said, there's a tweet and a press release of Machine Games is making Indiana Jones. Here's a quick teaser trailer. Um, we don't know when you're going to hear or see this game again, but enjoy this little bit of information. Like, cool, that was 
neat, but <laughs> what am I supposed to do with it now? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 the landscape has definitely changed. I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can get back to, you know, E3 and GDC and stuff. Probably not this year, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely... I think these companies, you know, they're, they're trying different things and and it doesn't always land, you know, for them. Um, but, you know, I'm still yeah. very hyped for any announcement that any of these companies usually make. I mean, I think mm-hmm. if it's over Twitter or, or whatever, it, it still does have an impact. It's just not... It's not in the same same vein as as a as a you know a big trade show where there's a lot of flashing lights there's a lot of people in a crowd a lot of hype you know in one room a lot of energy it's it's a different different vibe yeah now it's more it's more muted because you don't have that you don't have that conference setting you don't have the live audience it's just here's the twitter drop the excitement is whatever you feel in your own residence as opposed to having the media gather and have you know previews ready as soon as that trailer drops or having new hands-on or gameplay footage that era of the industry is on hold until the COVID situation begins to subside and it probably isn't going to be the case in 2021 maybe 2022 we return to that hyped atmosphere for this industry and that is something that this industry really needs it's something it relies on because that's how you sell product. You sell games and consoles based on hype. Look at CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk. The game sold based on hype, and then it launched with a large list of issues, gets patched, and somehow the most recent patch breaks the game. Mm-hmm. So that's why hype, as essential as it is for these businesses, it's also a curse for us, the consumer, because we buy into it and we end up purchasing product that maybe we should have waited for a little clearer information on. So, Jez, I, I have a question for you, um, unrelated really to, to Xbox Live, but what would you say to uh, a budding video game journalist that wants to get into the industry? Any advice? Um. Well, well, it's it's weird because I didn't do it the the usual way i think some journalists like they they there's two there's two ways of doing it really from what i understand anyway you can either like go to university do journalism school and then apply for jobs like you know what they tell what they tell us at school right you know you go to college you get a degree or whatever um i didn't do it like that i dropped out of high school and uh didn't I, I never, never once thought I'm going to be a game journalist. I'm going to be a writer. And it was never even vaguely on my radar. But one day I wanted to make a website to brush up on my web development skills. And I thought, I'll just make a blog. I'll just do a, make a blog about something random that I care about, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, I'll do about Microsoft stuff because um, I was into Windows Phone at the time and I had an Xbox. And I thought, well, I can make I can make a blog about Microsoft services and how they integrate. Because Microsoft was doing that whole Windows, I think, at the time. And I just started writing content. I just like, and I, I enjoyed it. So like, if you enjoy, if you enjoy blogging and you want to, you want to be a game journalist or a blogger, my advice would be just start making content. I used to write like 10 articles a day about random stuff I was interested in and random stuff I enjoyed, putting my opinions out there, having not being afraid to have strong opinions and not being afraid to, you know, piss people off with opinions that they might disagree with and stuff like that because, 
you know, for every person you annoy, there might be 10 pe- people who agree with you or, you know, it's just the way, way it goes sometimes. So like my advice would be to just start making content, start getting involved in the conversation with, with everyone you can on Twitter, get involved in the community. And like, eventually you might get noticed. Like a lot of the people I've hired for Windows Central, they weren't, they weren't people who came from universities or had degrees. They were people who showed hustle, mm-hmm. showed passion, showed that they had like a unique take on things. They, they were multi-talented. Maybe they had video video um, editing skills and stuff that could be useful in other ways. Their graphic design skills, um, you know, and they're all self-taught. You know, YouTube, um, all webs, all this stuff's online. Like you don't need a degree to get into this. All you need is passion and the ability to show it you know you can you can make a free blog using blogspot or something like that twitter's free you know speak to people in the industry and put yourself out there and you know good things can happen you'll get lucky you know i was lucky but you sort of (laughs) you make your own luck the more the more content you make the more likely (laughs) you are to get noticed so yeah that's good advice because when i started writing about video games it was back in like 2003 that's how old i am and it was just on a little website we probably started with only a couple of thousand views a month and it was just it was a passion project it was something it was just something to do on the side and eventually everyone who was on this blog got noticed by a bigger website so we all got hired to go over there it was still one of those cases of you were paid with a review copy but when you're you know, 16, you don't really care. It's like, oh, cool, I get a free game and I get it early. So you were fine with that. But it gave a chance to build a portfolio so that if it was a direction that any of us wanted to move into the future, we did have this, we had reviews, interviews, news articles that we could show to other websites who you know maybe we had an interest in working for. But you have to start with the passion and you just, as Jez said, just keep doing it, keep, cranking out content and you will get noticed one day you don't go into it assuming that you're going to find success immediately because you can pitch yeah you can pitch content to a lot of websites and you're going to be turned down probably 99 out of 100 times but you will get that one chance and all you need is that one opportunity and when you get it it can open a lot of doors i mean i over my career when i was doing freelance writing I had the opportunity to interview Evan Wells of Naughty Dog because I was covering Uncharted 2 so often that Naughty Dog took notice and Sony sent me an email saying, we want to extend an invitation for you to do an interview with Evan because they've noticed all the coverage you're doing and they're really impressed with your passion for the game. And that's an opportunity I never would have imagined having. And it was like, that's great. um, Yeah. I was just saying that but, that's similar yeah. to me. Like I, I was, yeah. I was like, it's good to find a niche too, because like mm-hmm. Uncharted Two could be considered a niche, and like I was covering yeah. Windows Phone a lot, which was definitely a niche. And then Nokia, <laughs> it was Nokia PR reached out to me and said, "We want to fly you to Barcelona so you can check out the release of Lumia 640." I was like just blogging. I was a hobby blogger, you know. I was just doing it myself on my own blog for free, not even running any ads on the site. And they invited me out. And then from there, I met people and did things that led me to getting noticed by Windows Central. So it's uh, 
you'd be surprised what can happen if you just put yourself out there. Yeah, absolutely. I will pivot into some of the Streamlabs questions. Uh, we had a dollar donation from Wantalk69, who wrote, Love the show. Why are Xbox One Sad Editions selling for so much on eBay, despite being a last-gen budget console? They're and an overall worse version of the Series S. I sold one last week for $300. <laughs> they're what they're is a, the man? They're a collectible now. Like, there was a, a short supply of them. They got they got sold out almost immediately because they were so cheap. Now it's a collectible thing. Then Isn't it also it? because of um, people running, trying to turn them into emulation machines? Oh, well, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that that's, that's a really good point. It does make a, a fine emulation device as well. I then had a $5 donation from Matthew Hammond, who wrote, MVG's breakdown of the Nintendo DS was great. How did the company that made the DS make the N64 that developers described as horrendously complex? Was it strictly a function of the time and available hardware or terrible design that gave us the N64? Well, I don't think there's anything terrible about the N64 design. It really was just Nintendo were looking at at the 3d market you know because i mean 3d the 3d market the the video game market at the time was really just you know 3d effects right um so they were trying to find a cost effective way to bring 3d into video games to consumers to just the average consumer and i think ultimately this is the path that they chose so i wouldn't say it was um bad design n64 i would just say it was really you know what they were what they came up with at the time then had a $10 donation from TJ Dipple. No message. Thank you for your donation. Then had a dollar donation from Jackie G, who writes, Never too early to speculate. What are your current predictions for Game of the Year nominees based on what we know for 2021? Love the content and congratulations on 10,000 subscribers. Thank you. Um, I mean, what do we really know for 2021 as far as confirmed releases? We know Halo Infinite, God of War Ragnarok. Village ratchet and clank village the medium i mean breath of the medium yeah breath of the wild 2 is just speculated for 2021 it hasn't actually been confirmed um right i now, did say on um windows central um sorry xbox 2 podcast that i do know of a couple of games that <laughs> haven't been announced for 2021 yet that are coming in ooh. 2021 ooh. exciting based on the games that we do know of jez what, what would you say is the pick right now of game of the year that's a tough one um <laughs> no i'm not i'm not too familiar with what sony and nintendo are releasing i know what game i'm most looking forward to and that's monster hunter rise on nintendo switch probably oh yeah uh, i forgot about that yeah, that's coming out in march i think or april i can't yep. remember exactly. yeah march it's i think it's about six march. weeks from release yeah so i'm pretty excited about that but I don't know. If you're in Microsoft shoes, you're probably hoping that Halo Infinite might be a contender, but <laughs> realistically, I'm not expecting it to be. I think of all <laughs> the games that we currently know about, I would say Halo Infinite would be mine right now. But I mean, that's that's <laughs> obviously going to change quite quite a lot, I think, as the year progresses. Yeah, yeah the year really has to flesh out. I mean, I could say Horizon 2, but I, we don't know anything about the game beyond the setting and that the character is in the game. So, you know, I'm going to go with Resident Evil 8 because we've played at least a demo of it. 
I then had a $10 donation from Jake, who writes, I played through Control and loved the 60 FPS on Switch. Can you think of any reason why Hitman on Switch doesn't have a performance mode? Is it a technical limitation, developer choice, last-gen port of the game? Hope for more cloud games in the future. I think Control on the Switch was based on the PC version, which likely had those options. Hitman 3, I'm not sure which version it's based on for the Switch cloud one, but any cloud game should have performance options, even if it's just to lower the latency and give you that freedom of choice. I think it's the amount of money they're spending on those servers. You know, they, they, oh, yeah. I think it's probably just a lower tier of, of cloud servers that they're running the game on. So they're just mm-hmm. you know scaling things back to kind of save on cost. And then our last Streamlabs question is from Skatittles, who donated $10, who writes, Hello, my friends. I'm convinced it's Microsoft's goal to have the whole Yakuza franchise on Game Pass this year. So that begs the question, will we see Like a Dragon or Judgment hit the service first? I've yet to play ju- Judgment, so I hope I'm right. I My personal prediction, based on nothing but hopes, is that Like a Dragon will be added to Game Pass in March, right when they're bringing the game to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Jez, you uh, have any insight about those games on Game Pass? Isn't Like a Dragon already on Game Pass? No. It's not, actually. It's not. I thought it was, too, when <laughs> they first am. announced it, but I, it's I, not. I, had to, I did a double take on that myself like uh, last week. I was like, I'm sure this game's on Game Pass, but it's actually not. Huh. Am I getting it mixed up with Dragon Quest? Does not make any sense? I don't know. Well, um, I have no idea. I would presume that maybe eventually it could come to Game Pass, especially if all the other games have been. It does seem like Microsoft has some kind of, I don't know, elevated kind of deal with Sega right now. There's like Two Point Hospital, Streets of Rage, and like loads of Sega games on Game Pass. They seem to be a very, you know, big supporter of... Uh, I was going to say a big supporter of the service, but let's be frank, big supporter of the money they're getting from being on the service, I guess. Um, so maybe, yeah, I, I suppose like... See, Yakuza, like a dragon, especially, is a very good game for XCloud because it's turn-based, and um, you know you could add the touch controls, and you could literally just play it through your phone. I would not be surprised if we see Yakuza hit Game Pass Ultimate with bespoke touch controls, mm-hmm. and they push that as a way of growing Xbox Game Pass in Asian markets. So. I would definitely expect to see like a dragon on game pass this year based on that have you tried any of the games that have bespoke touch controls on xcloud yet no uh no i haven't it's, it's really uh, cool. I, i've played watchdogs legion on my phone um which which was fine i mean i had no no issues with it i thought it was it was cool but i haven't played one that has the actual touch stuff implemented yeah like um hellblade 2 is a good one to try because it's pretty simple but like it's got like all the instead of instead of like having like all the Xbox buttons on the screen like all the the triggers and ABXY and everything, it's just like it gives you the buttons you need. So it's like this is attack, this is interact, and this is you know do you know what I mean? And yeah. um, it automatically it automatically locks on for you. Like they use the API really well. Like the game gets simplified a bit, and then. Oh, wow. um, Hmm. And it, it locks locks onto enemies automatically, and then you just sort of, you know, you got to tap and parry correctly and stuff. So there'll be um, there'll be a big influx of games that use the touch API 
more intel intelligently going forward. But Yakuza Like a Dragon seems like a prime candidate for that because it's turn-based. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll have to give that a look one day. And if you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below on YouTube. You can donate any dollar amount you would like. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more. We will dedicate the episode to you. I'd like to thank our special guest this week, Jez Corden of Windows Central and the Xbox Two podcast for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Hope you had fun and I hope you would consider coming back on the show in the future. We'd love to have you. We should get him on with Rand one time yeah, that'd be and, awesome, just, and just like go crazy <laughs> at, at both of them. It'd be fun. That would be fun. We'll bring Rand and Jez on in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to thank my co-host for joining me as always, MVG. Thanks for having me on, Nate. And uh, yeah, um, Jez, thanks for coming on, man. Um, just want to say big fan of, of you, the work you do at Windows Central. Love the podcast you do with Rand. So yeah, it's, it's an honor to have you on the show to, to talk and your insight into some of these uh, topics was was really uh, was really good. So thanks thanks again. Yeah, and you can find links to Windows Central and the Xbox Two podcast in the description below, as well as a link to MVG's YouTube channel, which has brand new content up every Monday. So he has a new video up yesterday because you'd be listening to this on Tuesday. <laughs> and until next time, continue to embrace the hate.